Who would ever want a job where you are recorded for saying things? You have to kind of be a dummy. Isn't that your job? It is my job. And it's your job too, where we just put it out there on the internet all the time. What were we thinking? This is a glutton for punishment, I guess. Okay, here we go. We're doing this. Well, good morning, Rick. I'm excited to sit down and talk about First Timothy 4 with you today. Yeah, I've uh, I've really been enjoying this series. Uh, it has challenged me, um, and I, I probably sound like a broken record. Every time we talk about a series, there's a there's a point I'm like, man, it's really it's really pushing me and challenging me. But I'm experiencing um, I'm experiencing that too. I hope that hope that comes through. But yeah, I'm loving these conversations, and I'm really looking forward to what we get to talk about today. Yeah. So where I'd like to start today mm-hmm. is obviously we want to dive into First Timothy four, mm-hmm. but I'd like to kind of bridge it a little bit from where we left off with First Timothy three last week. Okay. Because in First Timothy 3, we spent a significant part of uh, both the message and our, our podcast talking about the qualifications of a leader and how those qualifications are kind of a, a minimum standard, and yet it's a high standard. It is, yeah. But now in First Timothy 4, you brought something out that, for me at least, I'll speak for myself, was my favorite part of the message when okay. you pointed out that Paul talks to Timothy about seeing his progress mm-hmm. as a leader. Yeah. And somehow in all of the times that I've read through this chapter before, I've missed that, or at least I hadn't mm. focused on that mm. before. And uh, and what a delightful and relieving kind of thing that it is but to scary. be reminded. But scary. <laughs> sure. Because you, say as you lead, you've got to, you got to be shields down. Mm. And so if people are seeing you p- progress, then they, <laughs> they're seeing, then that means they're always going to remember a version of you and your leadership and your teaching and your presence and all of the things that you contribute that is not quite up to what it is today. Yeah. Well, I'm not under any <laughs> any disillusions about that. I know there's some wonderfully gracious ladies in women's Bible study yeah. who remember some pretty weak early teaching yeah. lectures I gave. Yeah. Hopefully they've seen some progress. So I, I want to be vulnerable with this. Like there are people who say things to me like, man, I just feel like you're like, it, they'll just say you're, you're, you're getting better. And I'm like, thank you. But there's a part of me there's there's this it's pride Mm. it's ego it's sin it's insecurity there's this thing in me that wants to cry out i've always been great (laughs) and i don't need to be improved don't wrecking but it's like oh my goodness no it's that's not true and i don't have it all together there i will have it I, i will be my most put together self when i am actually with jesus in his presence in the life to come yeah but I'm never going to hit that in this life. And I want to grow. I really do. And as much as I want that there, I also sometimes just secretly or not so secretly loathe the fact that I need to grow and other people can see it. (laughs) So I'm just living in that. All right. There's so many threads I want to pull on here. Okay. Let's start though with where I was initially headed with the, the list of qualifications in chapter three How do we approach those kinds of character qualities, which yeah. hopefully we are continuing to grow in sure, with sure. this idea that 
none of us are ever going to achieve Jesus-like status until we're in his presence. And so we Mm -hmm. are people who are continually growing in our spiritual formation and our Mm -hmm. discipleship. Um, Does that imply that the list of qualifications of who should be in leadership or who, who uh, who characterizes the right kind of disposition to be a healthy leader, are those... How how much room to grow is there in the chapter three qualifications? That is a that's a really good question. I don't know. I don't know if I can answer it the way you asked it. Okay. Because the the way you asked it, the way my brain works, I want to give a quantitative answer, but I don't even know how to give a quantitative Mm, answer. mm There is a there's a there's a minimum level of proficiency in being gentle respectable, hospitable, caring and leading your own family well, all teaching, all of those things. Not, I mean, can't be, can't be engaged in in drunkenness. Like, so there's like a minimum level, but it's not written in such a way that we should think that you are perfectly embodying all of these things. So I think we should be characterized by hospitality but with the understanding, so yeah, sometimes you're not going to be, and you're always going to have room to grow, and sometimes you're going to get it wrong. That you should be characterized by being a good teacher, but sometimes you're going to bomb. Mm. I remember. Uh, do you? What is today's date? The twenty seventh. Okay, we are um, we are days away from it being four years ago. That was my first Sunday at Autumn Ridge and John Steer passed the baton Mm -hmm. to me, right? The next Sunday was like the, like first official Sunday that I'm here as pastor, but, um, I was being welcomed in that Sunday. Leith Anderson preached, um, uh, John Steer preached. There was a moment where he literally passed a baton to me. Um, and I remember in the remarks that he made before that moment, he just said, he just said, I have preached some howlers in my day and everybody <laughs> laughed, you know, and he's like, some, Rick's going to preach some bad sermons. It's okay. Uh, Don't nitpick them. Right. And I so appreciated that from, from John. So yeah, you're going to preach some bad sermons. Mm. You're going to lead some small groups where people are like, I, I can't follow her. <laughs> and I know that there have been plenty of times I've gone home and I'm just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I don't want that one to go online. Mm-hmm. I want people to not remember that sermon. I just don't feel like it was clear enough or, or helpful enough. It's going to happen. Mm. But we should be characterized by being people who can um, explain God's word and what it means to follow Jesus in a way that's understandable, memorable, and applicable. That should characterize us, but we're not going to be perfect and there's going to be room to grow. And so all of those, all of those aspects, all of the, excuse me, all of those qualifications of leadership, I think that's how we should, I think that's how we should talk about it. And I think instead of, I tend toward, and I could be wrong. And so help me, help me see how you see it. Um, Instead of trying to give a quantitative answer or percentage answer, I think our lives should be characterized by these things. But if there is a qualification where it seems like we're missing it more than we're hitting it, that's where we really need to have, sure. really need to have a serious accountability conversation. We're never, we're never going to ignore areas where we miss it, but we're also going to understand nobody's perfect and we're trying to grow and we want to live in such a way that everybody can see our progress. Mm-hmm. So how, tell me how that sits with you. 
So some of the conversations that I've had that kind of inspired my thinking mm-hmm. and in wanting to, to ask you this question are from some people that I would consider to to inhabit many of these qualities. And yet, because of a spirit maybe of humility mm-hmm. that, that might go along with the kind of character mm-hmm. that is really seeking to honor Jesus and in, in so many aspects of their life, um, that humility may have been pushing them to feel more inadequate mm. than they might need to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I see there's there's some great relief mm-hmm. in reminding people that, yes, we are aiming for a high standard. We are aiming to mm-hmm. become like Jesus in all that we're doing, mm-hmm. but none of us are expected to be perfect in this yet, and that there is room to grow. Yeah. And uh, and so I guess some of what's behind the question is, is like, how do we determine what that that threshold is for when someone can say, okay, I feel like okay. I'm ready okay. to sign up to lead That's and re- to lead with some confidence that I just, I, well, I don't want to say I deserve to be here, but that I'm eligible. Yeah. That, so eligible mm-hmm. is a good word to use. It's not deserving, but it's, but it's eligible. I, I, but there's something that you said that's really important. You were talking about making, making progress and I was really just kind of, I just really latched on to something you you just said, and you're talking about kind of moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. Do we see ourselves and do we see each other just moving forward? And that's an important thing to consider. Um, So let's talk about, let's talk about uh, hospitality. Are we moving forward and growing in hospitality? Are we stagnant? Are we moving backwards? Mm. Those might be, more helpful ways to think about it than the, than the quantitative way. So I really appreciate you you bringing that out. On on the um, aspect of how do you know um, whether or not whether or not you can engage or you should engage or you're eligible yet? Um, we don't want to ever make that decision in isolation, right? So like I didn't come to Autumn Ridge and say, "Hey, uh, I'm eligible to be the pastor." Therefore, I think you ought to. Make me be the pastor. There's a lot involved. Sure. There's a lot involved, and there are a lot of people really rolling up their sleeves, engaging in that, and it is a community Mm. that affirms it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important. Remember, everything we do in the Christian life is done in the context of of community. This is a team sport. There are no there are no lone rangers out there. So Mm -hmm. it's always affirmed in community, and there should be other people in your life who are affirming you and the position that that you are aspiring to. Remember, it is a good thing. Anybody who desires to be an overseer, anybody who desires to be a leader in the church, desires a noble task. Uh, it's a good thing. Never feel guilty about desiring that. That is a wonderful thing mm-hmm. for whoever desires that. But remember, this is you're not just alone. We're in community. Let other people speak speak into that. Uh, there's an interesting difference between men and women here. That's exactly where my head was. Are okay. you going to think about, at least I'll speak for the women's side of this, of women almost always underestimating their qualifications? Yes. Is that where you were headed? Yes. Yeah. And there's data behind this. And I don't know that I'm in, I'm not like in a great position right now to pull data from memory. But if my recollection is correct, typically, this is this doesn't describe everybody, but this is statistically normal if you if a woman looks at a job description and she feels like 
it's like she has to hit almost be able to do almost a hundred percent of it. Absolutely. Or and if she, you see things that you think I don't fit that particular expectation, you're likely to not apply. She will, she won't apply. That's just statistically normal. So if you're a lady out there and you're thinking that doesn't describe me, well, that's okay. It's it's not a law of the universe. Mm-hmm. It's just it's we're just talking about statistical probabilities here. But there's probably a lot of you are thinking, yeah, that makes sense. This is what men do. Just statistically normal for men. If you if a guy thinks he can do about sixty percent of the job, he'll apply. Mm-hmm. And there's always a lot of factors going into promotions and pay raises and um, who gets hired and who doesn't. There's all kinds of things. But this is at least one of those things that guys men will apply for things that they're not necessarily qualified for because they believe that they can grow into the job. Mm-hmm. And I, I did not know this um, a number of years ago. Uh, it's, something, it's something I learned probably in the past two or three years. And it just kind of makes sense mm-hmm. what, I, what I observe. And this is the way, tell me what this is like for you when you hear me describe this. When I looked at the job description for Autumn Ridge, I looked at it and I'm like, well, I don't think there's a person alive who can do all of those things. <laughs> so I I come at it almost every job description, especially for high level leadership, is aspirational and unrealistic for anybody. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'll grow into it. <laughs> I'll grow into it, mm-hmm. and that's my attitude. Uh, how, that is not how my does attitude that sound would like be. Crazy sauce to you? Are you <laughs> it like? Does actually tell me just. Yeah. Tell me more about when you hear me say that, what are you thinking? <laughs> well, yeah, it's so different from the approach that I would take to it. I would look at a, a list of qualifications, and if I don't feel like I'm already at least, if not fully competent in something, within striking distance of it, or I could see mm-hmm. a pathway forward, I would just think, well, that's I'm not the one they're looking for in that, and I would totally back down from that. And you know, and I see that mm-hmm. at play often when I'm recruiting small group leaders. Yeah, that uh, that stereotypically, yeah. more often than not, it's the the women or wives that mm-hmm. I need to give a little bit more of a pep mm-hmm. talk to and sure. reassurance that you sure. know I'm gonna I'm gonna support you in your leadership, and mm-hmm. I'm not gonna just throw you out there without uh, without a safety net, and yeah. uh, you know that women do um, on average. Uh, just take a little bit more encouragement and, yeah. and affirmation. Since we're talking about the difference between men and women, I'm going to go out on a limb and talk about something publicly for the first time on recorded podcast that's okay. going out to internet land. And I've never talked about publicly before, and I could could blow up in my face. So are you with me? You feeling brave? I have no idea where you're about to go, so All we'll right. find out. <laughs> so I think people look at this and go, man, it just seems like women are more humble and men are more aggressive. Um, are less humble. And I just want to say, I think that's totally wrong. Mm. I think in the way that the men approach it, you see both humility and maybe pride. And I think the way you see women approach it, you see both humility and maybe pride. Mm. It's just the way it's expressed is different. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the men. A men look at a job description and they're like, I can do 60% of it. They're, They're assessing and saying, no, I don't have that. I'm not, I'm not able to do that yet. Well, that's a measure of self-awareness and humility to not overestimate themselves, right? I, I, see, some, I see some humility in there. But whether you want to call it aggression, um, whether you want to call it self-confidence, whether you want to call it pride, 
Maybe it's some of all of those things. Say, oh, I can figure it out and I can get it done, mm-hmm. right? And there's some danger in that. I'll, I'll acknowledge there's some flat sides to that. So I see some humility and some ego. Mm-hmm. But for women, for them to apply to a job, they could say, oh, I've got this. I know how to do all of these things. Well, that could be that maybe that's accurate. Maybe that's just confident. Maybe that's healthy. Maybe that's a measure of pride. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But there's also a real measure of humility to go, oh, I... I don't think that I could do that. So I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm not going to be able to fulfill what is needed. So I see pride and humility in both just expressed differently. Well, here's a potential zinger. Okay. Isn't at the core of both, maybe just a little bit too much self-focus and not enough focus on what's Jesus calling me to and will he equip me for what he's leading me into? Yeah, I think that's probably true of everybody else. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think you've got some self-reflection to do after we record today. <laughs> wow, you know, yeah. It, at at the end of the day, the so the more this is what my prayers have been like lately. Like if you were a fly on the wall when I just in my personal prayer time, you would hear things like this in my prayer. Jesus, I am like realizing more and more. This is way beyond what I know mm-hmm. and what I'm capable of. Yeah. I am. I just feel more and more and more dependent on him. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm realizing that I'm more dependent on him. And I hope, I really, really hope that I am progressing and trusting him more than I trust me. Um, and I can see, I can see how, oh man, I've been, here's an area where I was trusting me more than trusting him. And the, the more we go, the more in over our heads we discover, mm-hmm. we discover that we are. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Because we're just dependent. We're just depending on him there. Yeah. And that's all right. That's so a good we've, thing. We've gone down kind of a fun rabbit hole, mm-hmm. but let's bring this back to First Timothy 4. Because as Paul is talking to young Timothy uh, in verse 11, he says, Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but mm-hmm. set an example mm-hmm. for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Mm-hmm. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Mm-hmm. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them. And here's where we started from, so that everyone may see your progress. Mm. I just see in there such uh, wisdom in refocusing Mm -hmm. all of these things that can cause not just Timothy, but anyone in leadership in any role to kind of lose sight of what's the purpose. Yeah. And so let's recall it back to being grounded on the truth mm-hmm. of Scripture, to be focused on communicating Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, the verse that comes right after that is our theme verse Yes. about watch your life and doctrine closely, persevere in them, because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Yeah. And that's what we're ultimately aiming for, right? That's right, yeah. So it, part of what you read there, I think we need to use a bit of a biblically informed imagination. Paul alludes to something, but doesn't give us a lot of details. Apparently there was a moment where others were around younger Timothy praying over him and even prophesying over him and God in his grace and kindness supernaturally empowered and chose to supernaturally empower Timothy for the task of leadership and teaching. Mm. Um, so in a, in a, there's so much encouragement here, uh, how Paul is reminding Timothy, remember that this doesn't start with you. It doesn't come from you. 
but you were called to this and this was given to you and you can grow in this. And even though it's not explicitly stated, the implication is rely on the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Mm-hmm. He is the one who's providing everything you need to be able to grow. So don't let go of that. Don't be self-reliant, mm-hmm. but do be responsible um, for your contribution in this. What an important thing for us to hang on to, because mm-hmm. it's so easy, whether we're thinking about this through the lens of a leadership role, mm-hmm. but even just, it's so easy for any of us in our professional life yeah. or in our interpersonal skills or whatever it might be mm-hmm. to become very self-focused on, yeah. you know, here's where I think I'm strong. Here's yeah. where I believe I'm weak yeah. or I don't measure up. And I just need to muscle through those weak areas, or I just need to make sure I'm shining in those strong mm-hmm. areas. And mm-hmm. we lose sight sometimes of, no, the Holy Spirit's at work yeah. in each of us. And he's calling us to to whatever the role is that mm-hmm. he's calling us to. And, uh, and the, the it's not all dependent on us yeah. and our own skills. Yeah. So let's, let's really push this out. Okay. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for small group leaders. For every follower of Jesus, this this is the playbook for you. For you dads out there, you're, you're listening. The, the more you get into to parenting, the older your kids get, the more you realize that your best is important. And what you give them is incredibly valuable and important. But all of all every one of our kids needs more than what our best can provide. Mm. And so we are relying on God using us and God working in them and the Holy Spirit empowering our pursuit of parenting and fathering uh, to, to lead and serve our kids well. Lean into that mm-hmm. in the same way, in your job, in the same way. If you're a mom, in the same way. I mean, in every aspect of your life. It just in the same way, let that be the let that be the playbook. Because remember, leadership isn't necessarily about a position that you occupy, but it is a disposition that you have. And at the essence of it, it's taking whatever whatever you have, your influence, and investing that in in the well being of somebody else. So be encouraged. Mm. Really lean in. So as we're leaning into this voice of the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, can you distinguish for us a little bit further the difference between listening to the voice of the Spirit mm-hmm. and being guided by our conscience? Yeah, I'm not great. I don't know how to tell you the difference between those two things. And okay. I think probably the overwhelming majority of time, and I'm going to disappoint some people here, the overwhelming majority of time, it's your conscience. It's not the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um There's nothing anywhere in the Bible that says this is how you tell the difference between your own internal thoughts and feelings and the voice of the Holy Spirit. There's actually no example anywhere in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, of the Holy Spirit talking to someone in a way that sounds like their own internal thoughts and feelings. Mm. Now, in Romans, we're promised the Holy Spirit. He works with our conscience. He testifies to our conscience, but he's distinct from He's distinct from our conscience. I, I I didn't say it in all the services. I only said it in the in the uh, final service of, of Sunday. You know, the Holy Spirit is not your conscience. Your conscience is not the Holy Spirit. He's the third member of the Trinity. You're not a part of the Trinity, so they're, they're <laughs> different. And everybody kind of everybody kind of chuckled. It's just it's it's distinct. And so, yeah. listen, if I said this is how you know the difference, I would be. I would be describing something. I would be speculating with no biblical foundation whatsoever. There's no passage anywhere mm. that talks about that. We're supposed to read God's word. And the primary 
the primary way that the Holy Spirit um, wants to speak to us is through God's word. And you can open it up and God wants to speak to you through that. And part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to help, is to illuminate scripture uh, for us. He doesn't give us secret information uh, that's not evident there in the text. He helps us to see what's already right there in front of us mm-hmm. so that we can be... Um, so that we can grow in our confidence in who Jesus is, so that we can, when appropriate, feel conviction over sin in ways that we're out of step uh, with Jesus. He encourages us. He, he reminds us that if we are in Christ, there's no condemnation for us, that we are uh, that we are children of God. Um, but there's, th- listen, I, I think it's a fool's errand, and I'm using that phrase on purpose. I think it is a fool's errand to try to hash out the difference between your conscience and the Holy Spirit. There's nothing anywhere in the New Testament that tells you to go tease out and chase down trying to figure out what you think the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Turn to God's word, be in prayer, receive wisdom from from godly community, and it's just not helpful to trying to figure out which was my thought, which was the Holy Spirit. There's nothing in the Bible that tells us so, that's how he so talks to us. So even as we just five minutes ago was yeah. using the language of, yeah. of listen to the voice of the Spirit and things like that, that's what you're actually intending to communicate is be in God's word. Be in God's word. Know the truth of the gospel. That's right. Be in community with others who can help you see that. Yeah. And so if you, if you're ever like, Ooh, man, I, I feel like I should do this. Is this consistent with God's word? Is this the kind of thing that honors God? Um, is this the kind of thing that, that lines up with wisdom? Then you say, I think this is the kind of thing that God wants me to do. I feel like I'm being led to it. I think you should respond to that with some measure, with some real measure of humility. I could be wrong, but this just seems like God honoring mm-hmm. and, and I want and I want to do this. So what if there's some residue of old programming on our conscience? There is. There <laughs> absolutely is. And, I, and as we've spent time in God's word, we yeah. start to see that more and more. Do you remember and, do you remember the scene in Return of the Jedi uh, where they've stolen they've stolen a shuttle and they're trying to sneak past the the Death Star and yeah. to make it into the moon of Endor. Yeah. And uh, so they use a code and Darth Vader's like, Who who is it that's using that code? That's my Darth Vader impression. Who is it? Just, <laughs> it's a and, little weak. And the guy says, the, the guy at the control panel says, it's an older code, code sir, but it checks out. And uh, there is old code in us, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And I don't even know why I told the Star Wars story. I didn't even, <laughs> but I was just thinking, I just thinking about that. It's an older code, sir, but it checks out. There are times that I'm like, that's some old code in my conscience, mm. and it doesn't check out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was raised in a culture they got a lot of things right and got some things wrong. And, and there are things about judgmentalism and treating people with harshness that sometimes pops up. And I'm like, that's what you should do, mm. right? Like if someone does wrong, there's something in me that sometimes occasionally pops up. It's, a, it's just a bug that's hung out and hung on from old programming that tells me, punish them, make mm. them feel bad, mm-hmm. make them feel shame. And, my, and I've got to be like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not the gospel. That's not what I'm choosing to believe. I don't even believe that. But it's from old stuff, mm-hmm. right? It's from old stuff that I'm still, I guess I'm still trying to repent from. Does that make sense? So what's the process of recognizing that first mm-hmm. and then dealing with that second? Well, number one, we don't just blindly follow our own thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, 
do you remember a couple of weeks ago when I had the window out? <laughs> like we're using, you got to figure which side of the window are you going to stand on? If you just go with your own thoughts and feelings, you're standing on the easy side of the window. We want to move around to the other side of the window where God's, where God's word is what we use to evaluate all of our thinking, mm-hmm. all of our feeling. That we're using that to evaluate our conscience to find are there any are there just any old programming, old bugs that uh, that need to be repented of and scrubbed out, deleted out. Yeah, and that's part of what I'm talking about is sanctification. It's just it's just growing. Yeah, you know, I mean, I remember I got to a place. Uh, this this might be provocative for some, but I, I got to a place where I'm like, you know what? I think the way that I was, that the, some of the things that were passed on to me in my church culture is just wrong. Like I was told that drinking alcohol is a sin, and yet Jesus's first miracle was turning water into wine. Like what? How do I how do I jive with that? We're going to be drinking wine in in heaven. Um, so I'm like, where where did that come? And so I eventually get to play. Drinking alcohol is not the sin. Mm-hmm. Being drunk and the things mm-hmm. that come along with that are the sin. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I'm going to have a beer. <laughs> Never had one before, but I'm going to have one. And um, and if uh, I ordered a Heineken because I thought the green bottle looked cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so listen, at this point, I'm a pastor and I'm a dad. Like I'm past the wild party stuff. So I, I don't have any of that in my background. I just wanted to just eat and seafood, having an anniversary dinner and or, order a beer. And I got to tell you, I felt a little guilt, mm-hmm. but it was false guilt. It was residue of the old way that I was raised, that I was in process of turning away from saying, you know what, that's, that's extra rules. That's not really scripture, and I'm ignoring that, right? Yeah. And I'm not trying to deaden myself or numb myself to that. I'm actually trying to delete that from my conscience. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to. I'm trying to, and that can happen whenever you discover freedom, right? Your old way of thinking, your old way of thinking, will throw up a red light and say, "No, that's wrong." Mm-hmm. No, we're free in Christ. So not I, free from his commands, mm-hmm. but we are free in him. So where I'd like us to to land mm-hmm. here is uh, with some great questions that came in from a small group on their discussion on Sunday night. And uh, one of the ones that they submitted was talking about having previously attended a church. Um, it may have been two different churches um, that put up different rules, mm-hmm. uh, one of them being that, that women in that church actually did literally wear head coverings yeah. in, in accordance with 1 Corinthians 11. Accordance um, with an understanding, sure. a particular interpretation of 1 Corinthians 11. Yeah. Um, and, and another church that uh, didn't use musical instruments mm-hmm. in yes. their worship. Yes. Um, and so th- as they're wrestling through this kinds of things, yeah. they're saying, you know, these seem like they're non-essentials in the way that you were talking about the essentials of the faith and the non-essentials Correct. of the faith. Correct. Uh, but, you know, at what point do some of those things become false teaching? Yeah. And, and how do we know Let's what's... Let's talk about that next week. What's essential Let's wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, I would nice say... Nice try. <laughs> no, you know... First, let's kind of answer what are what are the essentials? Yeah, how do you define essential? Because that was another aspect of their question. Like, it seems like an easy answer to that is just to define it by terms of something like the Nicene Creed, or sure. you know, what is it that defines yeah. orthodoxy? But we also know that simply believing in the essentials isn't enough for salvation. We actually do have to believe and act on it. So, what's necessary for salvation and orthodoxy are not the same thing. Mm. 
So all you need, all you need is to trust in Jesus. That's it. Um, there is an incredible clip out there of Alistair Begg talking about the thief on the cross mm. um, who, and, and he's like pretending that he's like, he's pretending like he's welcoming this guy, this thief on the cross into heaven and he's asking him all kinds of questions. It's, it's hilarious and it's awesome. Um, it's profound. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you made it. <laughs> you don't know anything, uh-huh. but you made it. This is incredible. <laughs> and he's like asking him all kinds of, you know, theological questions. This guy's like, I don't know. He's like, how did you get here? I don't know. I just. The guy just, in the middle said I could come. The, the guy in the middle said I could come. The guy on the middle cross said I could come. So it's like the, at the bare minimum, it's just turn to Jesus. You don't listen. You don't have to. Maybe you've never heard of the Trinity. You have no idea the difference between the ransom theory of atonement and propitiation. And uh, you, you, you may have no idea how many books are in the Bible. You may never have read anything in the Bible. It's have you trusted in Jesus as the only hope for your salvation? Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Now, when we talk about orthodoxy or the, the essentials of the faith that the Christian community have held on to and said, these are the non-negotiables from the very beginning, those are things that you can find discovered in things like um, the Nicene Creed or, or, the, or, the, or the Apostles' Creed. Once you get outside of that, you're going to find that there's, there's a lot of wiggle room. And so those are, the, those are the essentials. And there are a lot of secondary issues that are important that people are going to disagree on. And if you disagree on them, it doesn't mean that you're, you're not a Christian. Where things really become a problem, right? And so head coverings and instruments I don't even think that they're secondary issues. They're they're like tertiary. They're on the third level. When people began to use those to determine whether or not you're acceptable to God or to the church, that's a major problem. And there is a there is a that is a kind of control that you'll never see, never see promoted in the New Testament. Um, and it actually over time serves to wound people. Mm. And that's a big deal. That's a really, that's a, that's a, that's a really, really big deal. Whether or not it crosses the threshold into false teaching, it is, it, it cuts against the grain of the new Testament and it is, it is, it is, it is wounding. You don't get to use that to define somebody's acceptability. And I think a lot of times you'll find that it's hard to disentangle, maybe not every time, maybe not in the experience of this person, but it's hard to disentangle some, when you're trying to impose rules on a particular group, it's hard to disentangle it from control, mm. from power and control. And that, that probably deserves a fuller conversation. Um, people are allowed to disagree on how to best understand that, that passage. Um, we'll talk about 1 Corinthians 11 in one of our church family meetings that's coming up probably on uh, April 21st, 6 p.m. Sunday night, April 21st. That'll be that'll be one of the things, one of the things that 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 I that, that we talk about. Um, uh, we'll talk about we'll talk about that passage. Um, Paul does talk about yeah, um, for a woman prays and, and prophesies in uh, with the church and her heads uncovered. You know, it's a problem. There's a lot of debate. Um, and it's really, for me, it's super interesting. Is he talking about having her hair hanging down or hair done up? Um, there's actually nothing in the text 
that ever refers to an actual garment or cloth that's on the head. And so we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, just trying to give a little background on why some people might disagree. But th- those are secondary issues. But if people tell you you are not acceptable, you're not a good Christian, you're not acceptable to God or to the group, that's crossed the line into something that's not, that's not good. Um, it's totally okay for a group to say, we're doing our best to understand, and we believe that this is what we should do. And so this is our this is our practice here. But as soon as we start treating people as they are less, that's a problem. Hmm. It's hard to reduce this to a policy. This is wisdom. Hmm. It takes a lot of discretion, a lot of wisdom, and it's not, it, you can't reduce it to a tweetable statement. Mm-hmm. So how, just go a little bit further on that, because I think that's really helpful where, mm-hmm. It's there, there's a natural desire to just be able to define this is what is essential, this is what's not, this is the mm-hmm. second tier issue, and like how far you can push something and mm-hmm. still be acceptable within a certain denomination or even within a non-denominational church and what's not. That yeah. um, those are understandable desires to make things very clear cut and black and mm-hmm. white. Yeah. Um, but uh, but how do we apply what we were talking about earlier with the the seeking to honor the Holy Spirit in all of this, to seek to know the truth of God's word to to progress in our in our wisdom in seeing and interpreting God's word um, what what handholds could you give us as we're each seeking to do that individually and together as a church instead of being helpful I'm probably about to make it worse <laughs> all right should we just end here then <laughs> what are you gonna say the insatiable desire for certainty This is a tool that Satan uses, and it is something that cults latch onto all the time. Hmm. If you want to take Jesus seriously, you want to take the New Testament seriously, you're going to find a call that reorients your thinking and your affections to clarity, not to certainty. And there's a big difference. I really want to challenge you. If you're if you're there. If you're wrestling with this, I want you to read Romans 14. I want you to read it every day for a week. Pray on it. Meditate on it. There are significant disagreements, and Paul does not say, this one's right, this is wrong. He says, this is how to be. Mm-hmm. He gives clarity on how to be. Clarity on how to be like Jesus. He does not provide any certainty on the rightness or wrongness of these debates, but clarity on how to be with Jesus and be like Jesus and be with each other. So if you want to follow Jesus and you want to live with wisdom, you've got to learn to sit down in uncertainty, but with clarity. And this lust for certainty and drawing hard lines and building walls is something that the father of lies loves to use to break up and bust up churches. Hmm. Cult leaders capitalize this, capitalize on this all the time. They take questions in which the Bible does not give us certainty. It leaves things a little fuzzy and vague and then try to give all kinds of certainty on that issue and build the group around that. I think it part of Christian maturity is rejecting that hmm. and being okay with, hmm, I'd love to know, but I don't really know. There, it's not, it, I don't have, I, I, it's not rigid and firm and, 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 and all, all the, all the pieces shaded in, but I know what I'm clear on. 
I know I'm clear on who Jesus is and what it means to trust and follow him and how he wants me to engage with each other. That is clear, mm-hmm. and I'm latched onto that, and I'm not letting go. Mm-hmm. There's some other areas where I would I would just love, I would just love, I crave certainty, but guess what? Does, God's word doesn't give me that. And so I'm gonna be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And it requires grown-up faith. It just does. And so, I don't even remember what your question was, but, uh, if you're wanting to know the difference, just accept the fact you're not always going to know, and that's okay. You've been given enough. God's word gives us enough for what we need. God's word has everything we need to to it it it, it rebukes us, it corrects us, it teaches us, it trains us, so that the servant of God, that the man or woman of God, has everything they need for a life of godliness. For God's word has everything we need for everything that He's called us to. Mm-hmm. And there are some things we'd love to know. So what? So what is the deal with the head coverings? I'll tell you what I think, but I could be wrong. But this is what I know. This is what I know. We are not allowed to judge or be contemptuous with one another or push each other to violate their own conviction. I know that. Like, that is clear. It's okay to draw lines of and differences. And you're getting that from Romans 14. I'm getting that from Romans mm-hmm. 14. Mm-hmm. And then I, 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 we can draw lines of disagreement. There are things that, that you and I probably don't, don't agree on, but we're not going to build walls over those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lust and the deep-down desire for certainty pushes people to build walls. Hmm. We're just not going to do that. That's not the way of Jesus. Does that make sense? Can we end? Would you just uh, maybe pray? Okay. And pray for each of us to feel that call to want to be more like Jesus mm. in all of this. I'm just uh, feeling a little bit of worship kind of swelling okay. up into me. All and, right. and I think that would be a lovely way to end. Jesus, we, uh, we thank you. You have given us new life. You've given us healing. You've given us salvation. You've given us yourself. Um, And you've given us each other. You've given us this incredible gift of not just being connected to you, but being simultaneously, inseparably connected to, to all other believers. And help us to be calm to be non-anxious and to rest under your headship, to rest in your leadership, to rest in the clarity of what your word has given us and to be okay with areas where we just want more certainty, but it's just not there. How would you help us to learn to delight in loving and being loved by people who we see things differently from, but who we know we're united to because they are in you also. God, would you work in us by your spirit? Would you empower our ability to be gentle, to be humble, to be non-contemptuous, to be non-judgmental, to be non-pushy, to be the kind of people who just chase after peace with everything that's in us to desire to lift up and to build up each other and just to loathe anything in ourselves that would lead us to tear one another down. Could you have given us something so good? We ask that you help us to, to steward this well and to and just to love keep taking our next step forward. 
uh, with you and in you, empowered by you. And as we do, God, we pray that the truth, goodness, and beauty of Jesus would shine in such a way that many others would be drawn to him as well. It's in his name I ask these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you.